0: Hey, you awesome folks. Thanks for taking this journey of discovery with your guide, Keith Haney. You're listening to the Becoming Bridge Builders podcast, your favorite podcast for everything from racial reconciliation to education innovation, justice reform, and leading change in the 21st century. This podcast is for people who love to be challenged with difficult topics, but want practical solutions to solve these challenging issues. Becoming Bridge Builders makes change possible. Each week on the podcast, Keith invites innovative thought leaders to share how they are building bridges in their area of expertise. You will hear breakthrough ideas and concepts that are changing the world. He's featuring guests who are best-selling authors, leaders at Microsoft, entrepreneurs, leading educators, professors, lawyers, and so many more. Listen in to learn how you can be the bridge to the change you are seeking.
1: Welcome to this edition of The Light Breaks Through. I'm your host, B. Keith Haney. If you want to coast through life, this podcast will push you to go further, dream bigger, and achieve more. Jesus is seeking missionaries to carry out his mission in a broken world. So sit back, put on your seatbelts, and get ready for transformation. Today's topic is COVID 19 and the impact it's having on the elderly community. COVID 19 poses a risk not only to the health of older adults who contract the disease, but also to those without the health care resources and social structures to contribute to the overall wellness. Older adults are more likely to have dire outcomes from the virus. It can also be challenging to prevent older people from being exposed to the virus because they may not be fully independent. This pandemic has really highlighted a much deeper, more often forgotten segment of society, the elderly. In the podcast today, my guest Mrs. Tony Larson, who I'm excited to have, works for Perry Homes. Will discuss the elder care program. Um, My guest, Tony Larson, been an LSS director of social services for Perry Homes, director of counseling for Lutheran Home Services. She's been serving in the field of social work for many years, in the capacity over 40 years. So we are so excited and delighted to have her here. And I want her to tell us a little bit about what she does for Perry Homes and how she works with the elderly. So, Tony, can you kind of tell, give us how you do that? Sure.
2: Thanks. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Um, My role at Perry Lutheran Homes is um, a social worker, and as the social worker, the kinds of things that I do are to pay attention to the social emotional status of each of the residents, and also um, be able to help assess their mental status. The idea behind getting those kinds of things assessed is to look at how might we best serve their needs in the long-term care facility setting, how might staff know how to best work with these folks, and to do everything that I can to initiate a situation in which they, the residents have a, a very high quality of life. One of the things that happens sometimes is that once a resident goes into a long-term care facility, they may be viewed as just there to live out to the end of their life. And in some ways they're, it's categorized as being warehoused. At Perry Lutheran Homes, we're really, really um, determined not to have that happen. What we want is to work with each of our residents to find out what would bring quality to their last days in their lives and to try to furnish that for them in in whatever way we can, um, from a physical caretaking sense, as well as a social, emotional, and spiritual sense.
1: Thank you, Tony. Can you kind of give our listeners a little bit of what insights have you discovered during COVID, especially as it comes to caring for the elderly in those homes? And the impact it's kind of had on families as well. It's had a huge impact.
2: As most folks know, the elderly, especially those with pre existing conditions, and most of the folks in our long term care facilities have pre existing condition, conditions, are particularly vulnerable to the virus. So, what we've had to do, in essence, is, uh, and under the guidance of our consulting agencies, is to lock down these facilities. And what that means is that nobody comes in or goes out who is not an essential worker. Um, Now, this can be phased into a more or at least a less restrictive situation as time passes so that um, recently at Perry Lutheran Homes, we have been able to allow visits with family. These visits are held outdoors and and the family members are six feet apart and they're wearing masks for protection. Um, But still, that is not the same as being able to visit with your loved one in your room not being able to give them a hug or a touch uh, but it, but it's better than the complete lockdown. The complete lockdown also means that the residents are isolated from one another. They're in their room with their roommate but they are not allowed to go out for communal dining or for communal activities. And for these folks that puts them in a very serious position of isolation. They may be in with a roommate who is not able to converse and so the only people that they have contact with are our staff who do their best to um, provide uh, that socialization and that connection, but it's not the same as being hooked up with your family or your friends. Um, We have been able to have residents have window visits, which would be that they are inside the facility and their family comes up to the window and they can see each other and perhaps communicate via a, a whiteboard. They're also able to have visits using like an iPad or a FaceTime with a cell phone, Um, But for some of the residents, that's difficult because they have a difficulty hearing, um, and they also may have difficulty seeing, and those who have dementia may have difficulty processing exactly what is happening. So it presents a, a, a lot of challenges. The challenges are equally as severe for the families because they're not able to directly lay eyes on their loved one and... They may be able to see them through the window, but that's not the same as interacting with them for an hour or two at a time to get a sense of just how they're doing. So it's a tremendous strain on both families and our residents.
1: I can't imagine how difficult that is for families. Can you, for those people who are looking at trying to do elder care ministry in the congregation, tell me how the program works with a congregational setting?
2: I think that it's important, first of all, to realize that this can be done. It's something that can be done. Our congregations are in a position to know their community pretty well and know who in their community is in need. And that is not necessarily just folks in the the nursing homes or assisted living homes, but people that we refer to as the invisible elderly, those folks who are residing in their own homes or apartments. If a congregation would like to serve the elderly in their community. I think the first step would be for them to gather together a group of folks and talk about what the needs appear to be and what they can do, not so much what they can't do, but what they can do. And there's a lot of things that they can do. Keith was talking about dreaming big and but and I think when we're looking at congregations, dreaming big is a good thing, but it's also good to dream small. To look at the little things that you can do to impact someone's life and to realize that those little things may be just the thing that helps that person hold on and helps them develop a better quality of life.
1: So, for my pastor friends out there who are asking, as a pastor, how can my congregation get started? What's the first step? What would be your suggestion for them? And, second of all, is there a training that Homes provider, you guys provide that would help them to know once we start this program, how do we continue to minister in a positive way to the elderly community?
2: The first step would be to identify who in the community may be in need of some contact. And again, that might be folks in a facility or it may be folks in the community. All of those um, possibilities should be considered it's possible that these folks are not members of the congregation, but may be open to having that outreach from folks in the congregation. I think pastors, um, it's important for them to realize that going about this kind of activity is much more difficult in the COVID situation because you're not able to make necessarily the face-to-face visits because due to the safety of these vulnerable people, But there are other ways that um, pastors and the congregation can connect um, via finding out what this individual may value. Might it or might they need? Might they need some extra food? Might they need um, something to help them be entertained, like a large print word puzzle book? Might they enjoy a vase of flowers? Um, Certainly, um, they wouldn't... Probably, I'm guessing, appreciate prayer. And I think that's something that we should not um, put to the side, but maybe put to the forefront is who in the community needs our prayers in terms of their physical health, spiritual, and emotional health? And who in their families perhaps needs our prayers as they struggle with not being able to be with their family members or help them in the way that they might be able to? It's possible that um, you could form a prayer group for the elderly in which you'll perhaps have pictures of the elderly that you're praying for. And as a group, get together and, and pray as a group or have assigned individuals in the congregation praying for one or two um, particular particular elderly individuals and their families. Um, there's a plethora of of things that can be done um, with just a little bit of digging into what do these individuals need. But again, I go back to prayer being one of the very first things that can be helpful. And for that individual and those families to know that they're being prayed for by the congregation or the pastor.
1: As a former social worker, what is one thing if you're dealing with elderly care that if you're visiting an elderly person, you need to be aware of or kind of be on the lookout for is kind of to protect elderly population?
2: One of the things I guess there's a lot of things to look for. One of the things that sometimes discourages people is visiting with an elderly person who will tell you the same thing over and over again. And that can be discouraging and perhaps make you feel like you're wasting your time. But I want to emphasize that That individual may be suffering from dementia, and with dementia, they may not be remembering what they've said before, but for whatever reason, it's important for them to tell that story over and over again, and our job is just to be a good listener and to be patient and to be empathic to the kinds of things that that person needs to talk about. We may be the only person that 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 individual sees during that day or even during the week, that has time to give that listening ear. And in doing that, you are providing quality of life. I think that another thing that we need to be aware of is um, if we're visiting with folks in their homes in particular, um, we need to be aware of, uh, does that person seem to have needs that aren't being met? And that might be nutritional needs. If they they appear to be thin and losing weight, it might be help with um, daily activities like bathing or laundry. If their clothing is soiled or they look like they need a bath, um, it could be they have had a sudden change in mental status, which means that in previous visits, they've been able to talk pretty clearly, but now things are pretty muddled in their conversation. That kind of thing might be an indicator that something medically is going on that needs to be addressed. And one of the very common things that elderly suffer are urinary urinary tract infections, that can really change their mental status, but with treatment can get them right back to where they were mentally. So there are some definite signals that we can look for and we don't have to be a professional. We just have to get a, be observant and get a sense that something's not right and then um, have an idea of where to go when we, when we see that. The first places to go obviously would be with their family and to talk with them about what the needs appear to be and to try to assist the family with um, connecting with an agency if the family is unable to help um, or um, the, the physician,
1: and is that list of agencies something that Perry Homes could provide for people in the area?
2: I have yes, absolutely, and I do have uh, some online resources that I can share. Um, Iowa Department on Aging is IowaAging.gov. Aging Resources of Central Iowa, that's AgingResources.com. When you go on that site, depending on where you live in Iowa, you'll be able to click on the map and that will be able to direct you to that aging resource for your geographical area. The Family Caregiver Alliance is also uh, a site that I go to frequently when I'm dealing with caregivers who are just exhausted and running out of steam, and that can be reached at caregiver.org. And then the Alzheimer's Association has a ton of information that can be helpful. I'm not just dealing with folks with dementia, but dealing with elderly in general. And their website is alz.org forward slash Iowa. The Perry Lutheran Homes is perrylutheranhomes.org. And we have a variety of resources um, and information that you can access through that website as
1: well. Tony, you've given us so many good resources, so much good information. Is there anything that we haven't covered that you want to share with the listeners about this program or about elder care in general?
2: Well, I think that the idea of invisible elders is important to pay attention to the people in your community. At Perry Lutheran Homes, one of the things that we're doing is reaching outside of our our skilled living centers into the community and looking at what we can do. One of the things that we've been able to do is pick up the Meals on Wheels program, which was dropped um, for various reasons by another agency. And we have been able to reach out and go to the homes um, during the week daily uh, to these folks who may not have a hot meal coming from anywhere else. And because of COVID have not been able to leave their homes and go and socialize. The person that regularly delivers our meals has been so blessed by being able to connect with these people, I think it's important to realize that the the benefits go both ways. It's not just the receiver that's getting the benefit of making these connections, but it's the giver who's getting a lot of uh, positive experiences out of doing this. I've seen our particular person blossom in her job as she has found her niche in making the connections with these people. So looking for those invisible elders in your community and how you as a congregation and a pastor can connect with them in these very difficult times of COVID. There are ways, and they don't have to be huge ways, but they can be small ways. And those small ways may very well develop into much larger ways that we can reach to others. Um, I think our churches are absolutely in a good position to, to be Jesus to other people, We don't have to wait for outside agencies to step in. We don't have to deal with the government red tape that a lot of folks do. We don't have to worry about um, income levels. All we have to worry about and think about is loving and being Jesus to these folks who are hidden and so much in need.
1: I love that idea of being Jesus to people. I think the church is positioned for such a time as this. The church and the world is hurting and we have the ability and the heart and the hands and the feet of Jesus to be that in those places. I just want to thank you for taking the time. Uh, This is an issue that's important in my heart as I turn 55, 56 this year. I'm getting closer and closer to being an elder, so I tell my kids all the time, hey, I'm going to come live with you when I get old, so I want you to take care of me. Uh, So I just want to thank my guest, Tony, for joining me for this podcast. If you want to go deep, you can follow my blog with the same title the light breaks through at www.alightbreaksthrough.org and get this content sent right into your your inbox. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast and rate and review it for me on iTunes and share it with your friends and social on social media, especially for our congregations in Iowa. I really encourage you to share this content with your leadership, with your congregation because you have an opportunity to truly truly be a blessing. In the life of an elder care. So, thank you once again for joining me today on this life transformational journey. God bless you, and we'll talk to you soon.
0: Thanks for listening to Becoming Bridge Builder. If you enjoyed this episode and want to help support the podcast, please subscribe and share it with others. Post about it on social media or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at bkeithhaney and on Getter and Twitter at RevHeadpin or on his website at alightbreaksthrough.org. Thanks again and tune in next time.